Hello and welcome to episode 958 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Thursday, July 22nd. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I'm well. Um, can't say the same for some of the players we're going to talk about Ugh. and get into some injury news, but uh, otherwise I'm, I'm hanging in there. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. I attempted jogging for the first time in, in a very, very long time this morning. That did not go well. I don't know. I don't know that I could put together a great effort of jogging myself. So I'm not. I'm not going to judge. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it was ugly for for someone, especially for someone who you know used to be in the military and had to do quite a bit of running. Um, yeah, that, it was. It was quite embarrassing, honestly. But you got to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Right. You got to take that first step because if you just instantly think, well, th- this is going to be stupid or it's going to be bad. And you never take the first step. Well, yeah, you know nobody gets to the the finish line uh, immediately. So you know you got you got to build up, and uh, hopefully it gets better. Uh, do you have like a a plan mapped out of how often you want to run and everything, or or just kind of mm-hmm. taking it day by day? No, really, I just decide. I only had like thirty minutes before we were going to start recording, and I was like, well, I can't do my usual hour walk. So well, let's let's take it up a notch and try some jogging, and made it about pick up the speed. Yeah, made it about I don't know a third of a mile, and I was like, nope. Uh, even though I'm almost thirty days removed from smoking, still still pretty congested in the lungs. It's good though. Yeah, That's, I mean, but again, baby steps, man. Mm-hmm. This is this is the beginning of of a long process. So keep telling yourself that. Don't get discouraged, and hopefully it gets better. Um, but let's let's jump in. Let's talk some news because hopefully it gets better for this guy as well. Nick Castellanos has a micro fracture in his wrist that he says feels about fifty percent right now. That is that's scary um, for all parties involved, whether it's it's the Reds, Castellanos himself, or fantasy folks. Um, he hasn't been put on the IL, and I'm kind of curious as to why. But uh, h- how does how does this news strike you? I, I don't think it's actionable from a cut standpoint, obviously. But are you benching Castellanos, uh, even if he's not put on the IL this week? I didn't bench him on Monday. I wish I had. Um, he's only had uh, he's only had like two games he, that he's played in. One was a pinch hit appearance. Uh, on oh yeah, the he hasn't played. Since Friday, that's right. So, oh wow, yeah, people had to make that decision coming into this week, and he hasn't played all week. Yeah, but they said, you know, the team was saying like, oh, you know, we don't think this is gonna land him in the IL. So I was like, well, I figure might as well roll him out there. Then uh, that was a mistake. Uh, so yeah, he's uh, th- this is this is ugly. Uh, I told you prior to hitting the record button, I literally just traded for him. That's so uh, I traded Lance Lynn for him in, in the Barf League. Um, and that seems like it's going to end up being a mistake. Because uh, the other guy I traded for, Chris Bryant, has been banged up as well. So it's just... An know, otherwise strong deal there, Castellanos for... For Lance Lynn. Uh, and then, for Lance Lynn, that adds up really nicely. You know, but prior to this, prior to this news here, but now it's looking really rough yeah um i mean i know the reds are kind of in the thick of a of a playoff race but you almost wonder if they should let him take two weeks off and uh and try to see if he can get healthy for the stretch run um i think they're i'm sure they're just afraid of falling even further behind the brewers in the division 
yeah. and the Padres in, in the wild card. But, I mean, you don't want this to become any worse than it already is. I mean, they've got them signed through 2023 with an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I guess he could opt out after this year, too. So, I don't I know that he will. I think he'll do that, yeah. I'd be surprised if he did. So, you know, with Castellanos here, I guess the real question is, you know, how likely is this to end his season? I don't, it doesn't sound like it's, I mean, unless it gets worse. Uh, I mean, he's clearly um, healthy enough to stay on the active roster and take some uh, pinch hit at bats. It's kind of weird that you would think that this wouldn't prevent him from necessarily from playing the field. Um, but I guess they're just afraid of him having to go through four or five at bats in a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it's going to end the season. Um, okay. You know, especially with the Reds still technically in it. So uh, I, I God, would. Their bullpen is so bad, man. If they had a bullpen. I've been back in this team all year looking at him saying, you know, this team can make a run. And, and their pen is so unbelievably bad. You know, Antone's not coming back now for a little bit longer. They just uh, Lorenzen came back and immediately left because he was running the bases and got hurt, and they just can't find anything in their they bullpen. Just, they just DFA'd uh, um, God, uh, the the prospect, the dude, Jose DeLeon. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, not, nothing's nothing's working for them out of the bullpen right now. So I don't know if they if they're going to make some moves. I think this this injury to Castellanos maybe complicates it a little bit. To where maybe they're like, well, now we're going to kind of play the middle a little bit and not necessarily do anything. But I think they should be out there knocking on doors, getting a couple pieces. They don't even, I don't even think they have to get like top of the line. They don't have to go get like Kimbrell and Richrod, but get like three guys from different teams that you need some arms in there because somebody can spike that. We see this every year at the trade deadline. Stand, you know, random middle relievers get picked up and, and a couple pop off and they just have their, their best 25 innings of the year. They need to try to strike some of that gold, and that's been that that that's been a problem. Um, they haven't found any of that this year, and that's really hampering them. So I guess right now you have to ride it out with Cassianos. We'll probably have more info. I mean, not probably. We should have more info by the time you have to make a decision in a weekly league next week. Obviously, if you're in a daily league, you you've been benching him, so that's fine. So you're just kind of waiting right now. Yeah, the question is, really would do. you bench him in like NFBC? With Friday switches, because I think I'm yes. going to. Yes, I absolutely would. Unless we get great news today or, or Friday afternoon. You know, obviously that, that news would change it. But if it's status quo, where it's just kind of hemming and hawing, I, I got to sit him. I got to sit him for Castellanos. Okay. So that's where we're at with Castellanos. Another wrist injury. This one much worse. Alex Kirilov uh, is going to have wrist surgery. Now, this has been something that's been bothering him. Uh, you know, he had an injury, an IL stint for it earlier, comes back, and now he's going to have the surgery out for the year. This is this is such a bummer, man, because he was really breaking through right before the, the injury got hurt. Uh, the, it, excuse me, the wrist got hurt back in May. Uh, but now he has to undergo the procedure to repair the torn ligament, and it's going to be an eight-week rehab. It's, it's season's over, obviously, for sure. So the question is, how do you feel about Kirilov for next year um is this something that will lower his price for you are you worried about him coming off a wrist surgery or do you think this is enough time that uh he should be healed and back to 100 percent? i guess uh, you know will he will he be a target for you or somebody that you have to kind of just wait and see on alex Kirilov? 
Yeah, and they're going to have to wait and see. Uh, this isn't like an injury that has just plagued him this year. He's had been having wrist injuries in his right wrist since 2019. Oh, really? Well, hopefully yeah. this can be the resolution. Um, I would hope that this would be the resolution, but I mean that is a bit concerning. For uh, sure. To me. It's all going to depend on the price. Um, so, I mean, he may be one of those guys I kind of target in early drafts as people kind of maybe uh, ignore him or forget about him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like if he comes in and starts having a big spring training, then I'll, I'll, I'll likely jump off. Uh, I like the talent. The talent seems legit. Oh, I think he's but, a star in the making. I really do. I like Kirilov a lot. I do too, but the injury history is is a bit scary, and especially from a guy that you're expecting, you know, real power from. Like you're not mm-hmm. you get zero speed. I mean, he's gonna you know steal maybe a handful of bases each year. No, uh, he's a big bat. That's yeah, what we're looking for. You're here. looking for you know, power and average. Uh, if that wrist is going to be a kind of a reoccurring problem for him, then that's going to sap exactly what you're looking for from him. So, uh, I, yeah, I'm going I'm to be a little bit careful, uh, and it'll definitely be you know cost dependent. If he, if he's going like outside the top twenty rounds, then obviously you're gonna you're gonna take the dart throw. But my fear is people are going to be like, oh, th- this is a guy I really want to target. I mean, 59 games, hit eight home runs, 251, which is fine. Uh, but you know, 22% strikeout rate, uh, is pretty impressive, you know, in your first go around at the majors. Uh, and I, I think Kirilov's biggest proponents will see that before the wrist really popped up, he was, he was even better than the bottom line numbers that you just gave. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think there are some interesting, um, numbers kind of in the underlying stats that maybe are a little bit concerning of 40% or 41% O swing percentage was only making like league average contact within the zone. Uh, so, I mean, I think the strikeout numbers likely come up, but that being said, I do think he's got a special talent. I just wonder if the risk is going to continue to be an issue. Would you target Kirilov in any keeper league situations right now where you're maybe looking with an eye toward 22 and making trades? Yes, I think I would. Okay, because I do think the price will be discounted, obviously, right on the heels of this news. I think you can get him a little bit cheaper, of course, than you would have been able to, you know, a few days ago. So keep that in mind with Kirilov. Funny stat, because I'm on his page and stuff. Uh, What do you think his home run to fly ball percentage is listed at uh, uh, from AAA this year? So super small sample, obviously. This was a two-game sample at AAA this year. But what is his home run to fly ball percentage listed on our fan grass page? 58. No. 72. 75. Mm-hmm. He, three of his four. I don't know how many homers he hit. He hit two home runs in two games. Uh, six was at it two, Was it two fly balls? Is it 100%? It is 200%. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Me thinks this is wrong. I don't know. I'm not a math guy, but I, I, I think that that's kind of messed up. C- color me crazy on that with Kirilov, but I don't know if 200% really checks out. But good for he's, him. He's got he's a 1,000 ISO and a 200% home run to fly ball. Right? My man is hitting two homers per fly ball. I'm, I appreciate that. I respect it. Yeah. So, so good on him there. So clearly, he only had one fly ball, but he had two home runs. Yeah, that's that's hilarious. Um, Trevor Larnack will be a beneficiary here for anybody that was concerned that maybe he wouldn't play as much when Buxton gets back. Um, 
he should have one of the corner outfield spots locked. In fact, until Buxton gets back, it's going to be Kepler in, in center and then Larnack and Arise pretty much taking the outfield situation there with uh, Nick Gordon, you know, popping in here and there. So, you know, Trevor Larnack has not really been killing it. He's been fine for a rookie. He's been about league average, but I really like him. And I like that this kind of, you know, keeps him in playing time the rest of the year without issue. He hasn't really shown anything against lefties. That's what I was hoping that he could, you know, maybe not go down that Jesse Winker path right away, but he's not doing himself any favors with a 194, 239, 306 line against lefties in 67 plate appearances. They're trying to give him the playing time. 34% strikeout rate against them doesn't help either. But overall, I still like Larnack. And again, this gives him that rest of the season, I think, to to really try to establish himself. Yeah, I like Larnack too. I think he... Uh, going to be interesting to see like how long he can play the outfield for. Like He's kind of a big guy, big lumbering guy. Um, but... Like he he's shown like a ten percent walk rate, which has been impressive. Mm-hmm. He's striking out thirty three percent of the time, not as impressive. Uh, but barrels the ball, hits the ball hard. I think there's something here. If, like you said, he he's got to improve against lefties. That that's going to be a big issue for him. And there there's more power here too. Like we yes. we haven't seen it all yet, and maybe it won't come this year. But he's twenty four. I like Larnack. I think there's more power get- in his bat than there is in Kirilov's. I agree. I agree. And there's two more months of time for him to really kind of show out and and let's see what he can do as a rook. So I'm excited for Larnack, at least as a silver lining to this uh, otherwise frustrating injury for Kirloff. Uh, Chris Sale, I want to update on his rehab. He had another one, I believe, yesterday or the day before. It was the day before, yeah. Um, yes, it was. It was on the 20th. Three and two-thirds of no-hit ball with a walk and six strikeouts. That one was at double-A. His first one was at rookie ball, three innings of scoreless ball with four hits, zero walks, five strikeouts. Bottom line, we're not as concerned about the stats. He looks excellent, though. The readings on the on the velocity have been strong. Everything's tracking well so far for Sale. He might only need, what, one or two more of these? Yeah, probably. I would he's say gonna make two. Um, yeah, he's going to make a, another one on Sunday at double-A. Then I would think maybe one at triple-A, and then if – if that's another gem, I would think he'll be he'll be there. He was he was hitting ninety seven ninety eight on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he looks he looks ready. The question is like, what is he gonna do when he gets to the majors? In terms of how long will they let him go? Correct. I think the 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 good thing though, if you're if you're trying to bet on this, is they need him. Absolutely. Um, my issue always is that when a guy's coming back from TJ. They they they'll just have a dud out of nowhere, and mm-hmm. and you know depending on how much time he gets, they'll have like a couple duds. It can be out of nowhere because the the ebbs and flows of how they feel during the rehab, you never really know, and that can be the that can be the frustrating part because you know he'll have four great starts, you're trusting him, and then Casey will rip him or something, and because it doesn't matter when it comes to TJ, and you go through and you can look at TJ returners, and this happens consistently with them when they come back and so i mean i will say this though despite saying that i don't think you can necessarily do anything to plan for it because sale sales upside is far too big to pass him up and you've been holding on to him all year long yes uh, unless you were in a league where someone dropped him maybe after one of the setbacks he had 
uh, yeah, I mean, you've been you've been holding on to him for for quite a bit of time. You've got to just kind of hope that he can give you what like eight starts uh, rest of the way and 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 be very very good. I mean, the one nice thing is, and I think it, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna double check. I believe he's only had one walk. Yeah, and they they use the the robot strike zone, right? In both oh yeah, of that's those right. Leagues. So we're not talking about like, uh, you know, we're talking about a guy who's like he's been hit in the zone most likely. And I mean, I haven't seen any of these rehab starts, but all the reports uh, say good six and two thirds, uh, no run runs, only one walk given up, only four hits allowed, eleven strikeouts. Like that's dominant, you know, Chris Sale esque stuff. And then, like I said, the velo. Hitting ninety seven, ninety eight mm-hmm. has been fantastic. Yeah. So, so I mean, as long as he doesn't uh, have any other setbacks, which he's had two so far, so mm-hmm. uh, I mean, he should be good to go. And I think you got to just roll with him, you know, every time and hope that. Like, where do you think he's going to end up in your ranks once he is activated? Top fifty, I think. I think he's going to be higher for me. I. I, I don't know. I, I I still have caution with TJ returners. So I do too. Yeah. But the, just the landscape of starting pitching is so just dreadful right now. I mean, I got my boy Frankie Montas at forty. Yeah, so, so I, I mean, he's above think, Montas for me. Uh, he isn't necessarily for me yet. I mean, these are two great rehabs for three innings in the minors. It doesn't mean that he's like gonna be Chris. And don't forget, the last time we saw him in 2019, he wasn't very good. He was, you know, 4.40 ERA with a home run issue. So, you know, I don't think we're fully out of the woods yet. I'm not going to get too drunk off of six innings of rehab. Yeah, I'm just I'm 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 looking at your ranks and, you know, obviously they're your ranks and not my ranks, but if I was slotting him in your ranks, I would probably be putting him at 39 above Tony Gonsolin below Luis Garcia. Sure. So, you know, that's right right around where I'm at. Um, and we'll see how, how sale goes. Uh, Jake Rogers has a forearm injury that's going to put him out till September. And you got to be honest, you know, coming into the year, if you had told me we were going to talk about Jake Rogers' injury, I would have said, well, are we doing an AL only five catcher show? <laughs> T- but, uh, Tigers only team. Yeah, <laughs> but he's been really good, uh, you know, for a second catcher. He has six homers on the year and 802 OPS. And I bet that he was on a good number of rosters in two catcher leagues, especially lately, uh, because that's that's his full season number. If you really look at him since June, uh, Rogers has been really good. 888 OPS is what it bounces to with five of those six homers. So he's actually been quite useful. But this injury is now pretty big. It's going to put him out for a while. And then another reason I wanted to bring it up, of course, is what it means for Eric Haas's playing time, who has been even better and a bigger fantasy asset um, this year with with everything that he's been doing with 14 home runs, uh, 237, 295, 26. You know, the average and the OBP are, are really bad for Haas, but the power is absolutely there. So Rodgers is an easy cut. I don't think we have to go too deeply onto that um, if you were riding him in a deeper two-catcher league. But does this – does this uh, make you happier about Haas's situation. I know he was already playing some of his off days in the outfield, which we love. Does this make him like an all formats, as long as it's two catchers uh, situation, or do you bring him into one catcher situations now for Eric Haas? Yeah, I think he was already in all formats, two catcher kind of guy. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. 
Even 10-teamers, yeah. Yeah, but I think Too he, much power. I think in like your 15 and, and maybe even some 12s, he's legitimately moving into the one-catcher. That's what I'm scared. saying. Yeah. Because the playing time, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go up. Yeah, it's it is, and I mean he like you said he's a guy who who gets like you know off days they'll they'll put him out in the outfield, uh, and I mean as this team begins to sell uh, pieces, you're going to mm-hmm. see them have more opportunities for a guy like him. So uh, I uh, yeah I, I like Eric Haas. I've got him on a number of teams. I'm a bit bummed because I also had Rogers on a number of teams. Uh, for those who have lost Rogers, go check your waiver wire and see if Yasmany Grandal was dropped in your league. Um, uh, he's already working his way back. Yeah, he, he's he's working his way back a lot quicker than I think anybody expected. He was dropped in one of my main events. Uh, oh wow! In my I mean, TGFBI I get it by league. Um, so, like, uh, I think if you know, not everybody has the ability to uh, stash guys right now. With, with how many injuries there are, but if you do, Grandal is someone I might go stash, especially for for those who are in two catcher leagues. Yeah, he's available in my main as well, um, and one of my OCs, Grandal is. You know, it's the tough part is can, can you ride three catchers? You have to have a bit of a luxury to be able to do that mm-hmm. because it's he's not like it's still looking at mid to late August, but. It was looking much worse than that for Grandal when he first got hurt. So I understood why people cut him. I'm not, I'm not shading the folks that cut him. Um, no, I, but, I was telling people who cut him. Yeah, no, I, I thought, uh, hey, you got, you got to move on here. You don't want to, even somebody as good as Grandal, you're not going to ride a third catcher for this long. But he's progressing nicely, so hopefully he keeps on that trajectory there. Um, and then I have my waiver pickup will help you uh, if you're trying to replace Rogers or still trying to bridge the gap to get back to. Uh, what's his What's his face? Um, Grandal, excuse me. Uh, Josh Rojas dislocated a pinky, which you know doesn't sound like anything crazy, but I heard from you and others that it was gruesome to look at, mm-hmm. and uh, you know things like that can affect your hand, affect your grip on the bat. He did it, I believe, while stealing, so maybe that that slows him down on the bases. This can have some residual effects here that uh, that might not be so great. So when you when you saw this news, uh, obviously you cringed at the injury, but what do you what do you think about how much this might affect him? We don't know exactly yet if he's going to travel with the team on their next road trip here, but what what do you think about Rojas uh, in the short term as far as the, what this injury might do? Yeah, I, I mean, I think he's probably going to hit the IL. Um, uh, so that, that's disappointing. Uh, and I mean, who knows how long, I mean, it all, a dislocation always depends on like, was there any other damage? And so I'm assuming we'll get more information, mm-hmm. uh, here in, you know, today or tomorrow, something like that. Uh, uh, cause I'm assuming, I- I'm guessing they'll do an MRI or something like that. Uh, so yeah, it's super disappointing. Uh, you know, I like Rojas. Uh, he's hit, he's been great. Yeah, he's hit fairly well, hitting two sixty eight, three fifty six, four thirty eight, ten home runs, seven stolen bases. The stolen bases have been great, uh, and he's been playing fairly regularly uh, with the Diamondbacks and hitting first or second most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially with the Diamondbacks being another one of these sellers, it was just going to kind of further cement his playing time. So. Uh, this is a bit disappointing, but they've got no reason to uh, to 
you know, risk force him. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So if he needs time off, they're going to give it to him, even though, you know, it, it, it just, it blows it, it. It disrupts what was looking like a really strong season. Yeah. For him. So yeah, it, it's a bummer. Uh, I think you're stashing him if you can. Uh, and definitely waiting before you do anything on, on what kind of the news is. If there's a torn tendon or something like that, then that could end his season. Uh, so just kind of keep your kind of eyes on, on the news and uh, on the rotor write up because uh, as soon as I see an update, I will throw that in there. Yeah, don't, don't make any preemptive moves. You don't want to cut a guy like this and give somebody a potential gem there in, in Josh Rojas mm-hmm. um, if he doesn't need to be out. Because what if he just decides to Ronnie Lott it and just cut it off? It, Bingo. Bingo. I don't you know you got pinky. Yeah, pinkies are for losers, dude. Bonk, and he just puts it right back into place and pops off. So you got to be careful. Um, all right, Josiah Gray came up and debuted as a bulk guy. Uh, he is going to get a start this weekend. And, you know, you're looking at it, four innings, four runs, doesn't really jump out. But seven strikeouts and just one walk. He had 15 swinging strikes in his 77 pitches. Three home runs. Then that's what did him in three home runs. So there's the good and the bad against a quality Giants club. He came in after Darian Nunez went two innings. Um, Like I said, the news suggested that it will be a start this week when he goes up against Colorado. Uh, But either way, you know, he gets to face Colorado on the at home, right? Home for him. Well, if he's been sent back down, he can't. He wasn't sent back down. Oh, I thought he was. Oh, never mind. I'm, I'm thinking of someone else. No, no, no. We're, ta- we're talking about his debut. The next guy was. was uh, yes, down. yes, exactly. Uh, but yeah, he's starting against uh, against the Rockies. Okay, let's see here. It's unclear what his role will be, but it suggests that he is going to start. So we don't know for sure, but it might be another bulk inning situation. I think honestly, if he isn't has an opener, it's not the end of the world. Of course, we like that for fantasy. Yeah, I think it's better. Uh, yeah, it makes so. getting wins easier. Uh, question is though. How interested are you in Josiah Gray? What kind of what kind of price do you think he's going to cost? I know Sunday's start will will play a role, but as it stands right now, how interested are you? Do you think he's somebody who can stick around uh, for the rest of the season? Yeah, I think he can, and I, I'm very interested. This is a guy I think we talked about uh, a few weeks ago um, on the eighth, uh, and we talked about uh, he was an interesting stash guy. Uh, I mean, they're missing Kershaw right now. I don't think Bauer's throwing another pitch this season. Uh, no shot. Or at least not for the next month and a half or so. Uh, so I think, you know, I think this is their opportunity to kind of showcase him to them uh, and see whether or not they need to go get another starter or two starters. Yeah, because uh, I think deadline. they're definitely gonna they're definitely gonna get one. Yeah, because right now, I mean, they're running so light. Like mm-hmm. even if you bring Kershaw back. They have six, and they like to have seven or eight um, that they can really turn to. And they, that they, they, these, excuse me, sweet talking ability. This isn't even <laughs> a reliable six right now. You know, Kershaw, a healthy Kershaw and Bueller are obviously a kind of a cut above. But then you have David Price, who's still working his pitches up. Tony Gonsolin, who'd been getting on track and then had another dud with with walk issues this last time out. Gray, who's been in the league for five seconds. Urias, who I do think is actually pretty close to Bueller and Kershaw, but not quite in their level. So I'll say three guys that they can fully rely on and say are, let's go, locked in. But then it, it's wide open after that. So I think they're going to get somebody regardless, even if they do like what Josiah Gray does. But if he gets bombed out, then I think they, they look to get maybe two, three guys. So you're right that that will play a role. 
but are you thinking that he's a triple digit type of guy this weekend? I mean, let, I let, let me give you a scenario first. Sorry. Let me give you a scenario for Sunday since that's going to put so much on it. Five innings, three runs, eight strikeouts. I think he, I mean, I, I don't know. Let's not talk in terms of digits anymore because I think everybody's league, like very few people can afford triple digits. Um, I think but that, he, those people might flex that triple digit. They, though, they as, might, as and they hammer. probably should. I mean, especially if you're looking for pitching, what pitching is coming into the league, uh, especially in your in your 12 and 15 team leagues mm-hmm. right now, that that is worth anything. Um, and I mean, he was really impressive, you know, going up against the Giants. Obviously, I watched uh, <laughs> every pitch of this, uh, this uh, appearance. Um, fastball command is his only issue. Like he, he just like he can get to the zone. So the control isn't an issue. His stuff is unreal. Uh, you know, almost 20% swing strike rate, 39% CSW. Uh, it got a 43% O swing in that, uh, in that appearance. Um, like the, the stuff is really, really good, but he just had a hard time locating within the zone. Uh, and that's what led to the the home runs. Two of the home runs came off the fastball, one off the, one off a curve. I think he is worth like twenty to thirty percent of your remaining fab, and maybe even more depending on your situation. Okay. Um, so I do think he will probably there will be leagues in which he goes for triple digits. Um, I, I doubt I can afford him. Yeah, in, I, I, I in, in most know. leagues, uh, I might have I might have a league or two where I can't because you know an NFBC is going to be available virtually everywhere. Um, he's, no, yeah. I, th- I think it will be everywhere because no one no one drafted him. I don't no. believe anybody no, I mean, drafted him or anything. There were like seventeen starters in the Dodgers rotation to start the season. Yeah, so. yeah. So because that's the only yeah, way he'd be he's available, available he every single one of my NFBC leagues. So he'll be in all those. Um, and then a lot of other leagues, I imagine too, unless you can stash prospects, I think he is going to have a range. Josiah Gray is going to have that sort of range where it's like, man, if I was in the right league, I could have gotten him for $42, mm-hmm. but the guy, the guy in my league put up 148, so I didn't get him. So it's going to be something like that. Here's what I'll say. Don't skip bidding because you assume that somebody's going to put a huge number. Put in your bid, even if it's Absolutely. twenty-seven dollars, because you yep. don't know. And that's that's the best advice I can give. We don't know where it's going to go. I think it's going to be a wide range, but just put in your bid, even if it's single digits. You never know. I guarantee there'll be some main event where he goes single digits. Happens with every mm-hmm. big pickup, and I always want to be in that league. There will also be like main event leagues where, or at least one main event league where there's no backup bid. Like, yes, that's yep. you know. So that would be uh, frustrating too, unless he dominates on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, he I dominates have. on Sunday. But I mean, it's it's the Rockies at home, right? So yeah, like that's he should he, he should, should be dominate. fine. So um, all right, that's Josiah Gray. Uh, Vidal Bruhan got sent out. This was kind of you know waiting for that other shoe to drop. Um, just just didn't really work out. Uh, he never really hit the ground running, and that's kind of what he needed to do to show that he belonged because they have other options. So. Um, I don't really regret taking the the shot on him with the upside that he has, but it wasn't there. He went two for 26 uh, with three runs, two ribbies, a stolen base, and he's back out. Uh, he could be back up again later if they if an opening happens or in September. But uh, for now, I think you can probably cut Bruhan in most leagues, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also think this is a buy low opportunity uh, in in keeper dynasty. If Absolutely. People, uh, I've already tried to do it in in one league. Uh, it didn't work, um, and it probably <laughs> won't work in most. But just you know, check in on the uh, the the Bruhan uh, manager in your league and see see if they're willing to uh, to to sell low, even if especially it, if they're competing i was going to say especially if they're competing yeah. then then you could parlay that uh and be like hey i got some piece for you that can help right now if you want to move bruhan mm-hmm. that, that's uh, that's the way i would try to play that that being said i you know i i was really high on bruhan this is super disappointing for me yes. and i'm sorry to those who uh invested a lot of fab on on him uh because i you know i really thought he he had ga- I, he does have game-changing upside Especially this late in the season, it just he you know it just didn't work out. Like it didn't I'm, work I, out, and he's on a team where they can't afford to wait, and they have so many other options. Yeah, exactly. So that's the thing too. So you know, again, I don't. I put thirty six dollars on him in the main. I I have no problem with that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that that was a, a crazy gamble uh, personally. So it was uh, it was something I took a shot on, and it did not work. Let's talk about the Rays a little bit more and a bullpen update on them because Diego Castillo was doing great and getting saves and then he's not. And I don't really know why. (laughs) It's just Tampa Bay Rays, you know, chicanery here because now Pete Fairbanks has gotten the last two saves. Um, he, you know, Diego Castillo did get one on on July 10th, but then his previous one was June 25th. He's not pitching poorly; it has nothing to do with that. But he came in in the seventh in a game and struck out the side. Came in in the fifth in the game, got one out for the hold. That was a um, in the fifth inning there. That was a seven inning game, so it's not like he's a middle reliever all of a sudden. Um, and he's you know he's finished a bunch of games that he hasn't saved in. And Fairbanks is just getting some saves. And then, to complicate matters further, Nick Anderson threw a BP. They're looking at getting him back in, in August. So I guess the, the general question is, what do you make of the Rays' situation right now? I know that we always expect turmoil, but to this point, we really hadn't gotten that. There were 12 saves for Diego Castillo through June, and he was kind of the guy insofar as Tampa Bay ever has a guy. And now all of a sudden it's, it's starting to change. So what what do you make of it at this point with uh, with the Rays bullpen situation? I mean, they've always been a team that goes to multiple guys, and I think the difference was they didn't have a lot of healthy guys to go to, and the team's starting to get a little bit more healthy. Uh, and I think they're gonna continue to play matchups. So I think this is gonna be frustrating. I think Castillo is still. Uh, a very valuable reliever in fantasy. I mean, he has not allowed an earned run in the last month, so that's good. Uh, and yeah, he, again, he's not pitching poorly. It's no, not, he's pitching. He's not he's, a negative. He's been him. their best reliever over the last month. Uh, he's just not getting every save opportunity. There's going to be kind of ups and downs. Uh, but if you're in a league where only the saves matter, then maybe you need to start looking elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, he's popping up in some leagues at this point, too. Uh, Castillo, as I saw him on on a couple waiver wires. 
and then do you start to look for Nick Anderson now? Like, what, what, what are you doing there with, with Anderson if he's available in the league? Are, are you speculating early? I, I think you can speculate if you are, uh, if you're, like, really save needy. Um, what if he and Fairbanks are available? Do you just go for Fairbanks on the here yeah, and I now? Yeah, you go for Fairbanks, I think. Okay. Uh, he's available I mean, in a lot of leagues, Fairbanks is. So what what kind of prices do you think he's going to earn percentages of fab for save needy folks do you think he's going to go for? Five to ten percent. Like, I, I wouldn't invest a ton. Um, yeah, I think it'd be a mistake to read into these two saves and be like, oh, now I have to put everything into him. Because then you know Castillo's going to get two saves on the weekend and you're going to be like, yeah. Or, or it'll be somebody else. <laughs> be, you know, who, whoever. Yeah, knows. Colin McHugh, Jeffrey Andrew Springs. Kittredge, yeah. Yeah. Something will happen there. So, again, volatile as always. Brett uh, Phillips. <laughs> yeah, Brett Phillips will come in and pop a save. You know, again, I wouldn't I wouldn't cut Castillo. I'm not going no, to no, cut no, Castillo I wouldn't. where I have him. And I would just. Maybe try to get Fairbanks. Uh, if he's not available, maybe a spec on Nick Anderson if you can afford it. But he's not going to be back for a little bit still. Uh, this last story that we talk about is really s- surprising, man. And your mean Mercedes is stepping away from baseball. Now, yeah. the trajectory of his season has been wild, right? Because he started off one of the hottest things going in the game at the beginning of the year. And it was awesome. It was so fun to see. Uh, rooting for him was very easy. Then he swings 3-0 off a position player and hits a homer, and his own manager eviscerates him. Needlessly, I'll say. I think that was so stupid, by the way. Mm -hmm. And now, I don't know that we can say that that's 1,000% what's driving all of this. And first and foremost, beyond baseball, I hope your means mental health, you know, gets to where it needs to be. That's the important thing here. Um, but him stepping away is very surprising. It's not like he went to AAA and started struggling. Like he's he was playing well. He was hitting three oh nine with four home runs. Yeah. Like I wonder if he was disheartened by not getting a callback when Grandal got hurt. Um, even though he's not really that much of a catcher, but I don't know if it was something like that or exactly what's going on. But he's stepping away. And uh I don't know if this is a full scale retirement, never seeing him again, but for the here and now, he is retired. Obviously, we don't care about the fantasy aspect. You can cut him, whatever. But what what do you make of this situation? And and do you put it at the feet of Tony Larusa? Do you think it? How much of that do you think played a role of him getting publicly eviscerated for a really stupid ass unwritten rule that is so fucking dumb that he did that and called him out and said that Minnesota was fine for getting angry. If you're going to throw a position player, I don't. There's no rules. I, I'll swing on a position player all day. What are you talking about? Uh, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I should Tony Larusa have done that? No. Like, that's um, it's just shitty, shitty, shitty yeah. way of operating, especially for your own guys. Like, your manager is supposed to protect your guys, right? Exactly. Stand up for them. That being said, like. It seemed like the players themselves, like, were kind of laughing at Tony Larusa about it. Like, they they really didn't care, and he got a lot of public support. But Mercedes cared. I mean, it seems. I I mean, do you you really think that this has to do with Tony Larusa, or I think this has to do with your he he's frustrated with the organization probably. For like I said, being in AAA, I, I think uh, it would be a leap to put it all on that and like. 
completely vilify LaRusso. I think he's a clown. I don't think he should have the job at all. But I'm also not going to go so far as to say that, like, this, I mean, this, that you're mean, because then on some level you're saying your mean is so fragile that this broke him down. And I don't think he is. He really struggled from that point forward. He hit 162, 236, 207. There was going to be some regression, but this was another level before he was sent out. Like that was, that's 123 plate appearances of really rough work. So I don't know if he just became disillusioned there, but then, like I said, he went to AAA. He got back on track. Do you think Mercedes was just upset that he didn't get called back and was like, forget all this? Like, I don't know. I, I think we, I think we're dealing with a lot of unknowns here, to be honest. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I think we we don't know. And until he comes out and says something, um, you know, maybe he takes some time off and uh, uh, and and then comes back to baseball, or or maybe he doesn't. You know, I mean, I think that for a guy who is, you know, probably spent you know, much of his adult life just toiling around in AAA thinking, man, I've hit it every level and mm-hmm. I just can't get my shot. And then he finally gets his shot uh, and just crushes it only to have everything kind of crumble around him. Like that can be difficult. Um, you know, uh, like you said before, like, I, I, you know, I hope he gets whatever he needs from this and, he can either come back or he can move on to the next phase of his life. But I mean, this yeah. isn't a guy who's gotten like a major contract at any point. So like, you know, I mean, he's, he's, you know, made, you know, $570,000 for his career. Um, pretty much, you know? Uh, so like he, he probably wants to get paid at, at some point. Um, I wonder like when he's a free agent, <laughs> 27, 2027, oh like forever. I mean, he had a, a play. So he's never, he's never going to get a, a real contract. Yeah, like it, it, it's not going to be like that. He'd have to get something through arbitration if he had kind of continued to hit well. Um, we could have seen something like that. You know, Larusa did have a comment and says, you know, we're still close. I'm a supporter of his. I'll reach out and maybe maybe talking with with Larusa and players on the, on the White Sox. Maybe that'll help. I just hope everything works for him in his life, regardless of, of yeah. whether he comes back to baseball or not. You know, I, this I think is, this is a reminder that uh, that we get usually once or twice a year that baseball players are people too. They're humans, exactly. Yeah. And you know, it's not all rosy all the time, um, and we don't know what's going on. And and sometimes we're not entitled to know. Like there may be mm-hmm. things that he doesn't want to talk about that are completely unrelated to that. And we can't. That's why I say we can't just put it all on Larusa either. I don't like him, but I don't want to be so biased to say like, "You ruined this man." I don't know. I don't yeah. know. So uh, I wish him the best. Hopefully everything goes well for your mean Mercedes, and hopefully he comes back. He was very fun to root for. I loved when he got Yerminator shaved into his head. I thought that was <laughs> awesome. And uh, like I said, just a real fun player to root for. Uh, let's put a few players in focus. Let's start with Jonathan India, and you know. Kind of reminds me a bit of Josh Rojas in terms of, of the breakout that he's having. He's hitting 273, 404, 421 with eight homers and seven steals in 345 plate appearances. Definitely going to be one of those guys, especially if he continues to play well down the stretch, um, that people are going to say, I picked him up off the waiver wire. And it'll be hard to blame anybody who cut him. He had a 683 OPS through May, and it was looking like, well, not not quite with this guy this year with India. Uh, let's move on. But 
He turned it around. 309, 459, 480 with five homers and five steals since then, since June 1st. And he's been batting leadoff since June 5th. Mm-hmm. Um, with India, do you think that what we're seeing these last two months is legit? Is he a true impact power speed guy? Uh, or is he just running hot right now? Hmm. I think the... Uh, I think the speed is somewhat legitimate. Now, he's not like a super like elite base stealer by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, he's 70% on the year, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he is leading off. He's in that time frame. He's also got 34 runs scored, uh, which is huge. Uh, he's got good patience and he's walking at a f- almost 14% clip. And he gets drilled like crazy. He leads <laughs> yeah. baseball with 16 hit by pitches. So that's why, you know, that 404 OBP there with a 421 slug, he's getting on base like like a madman. Yeah. Um, and he makes very good contact within the zone. He doesn't swing outside of the zone. You know, sub 10% swing strike rate this year. Like, there are a lot of reasons to be encouraged. Uh, the power... I'm not super sold on at the moment. Uh, he, he, you know, hits the ball into the ground 50% of the time, only 30% uh, fly ball rate. Uh, you know, he does, it doesn't seem like this is going to translate into like 20 plus homers. Oh yeah. No, he's a, he's a teens power guy right now. Yeah, Jonathan but, India is, but like he could be a 15, 15 guy. Exactly. With like a 260-ish batting average and a, a really nice on-base percentage. Um, and I, you know, and a boatload of run scored. I mean, just a boatload. If you're hitting on top of this Reds lineup, which is still really, really good, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to score a ton of runs. So, yeah, I think he's legit uh, for what he is. Like, I don't think he's ever going to be a superstar or anything like that. But uh, I think he's... Probably close to a top hundred, top hundred and twenty player uh, moving forward right now. Is there anything to take from the way his prospect status went? Because he was really like falling down mm-hmm. lists and and being disregarded uh, because he hadn't really done much in the minors. So you were really kind of going off. Well, and he only had one year in college in which he was good. That was going to be the next thing I said. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he had, he had the, the junior breakout, um, 21 homers, 15 steals, 12, 13 OPS at Florida gets drafted fifth. And like I said, never really, he was fine in the month. Like it, it just wasn't special. And people were thought his skills were starting to degrade and when he hit, uh, he never even hit triple A. Uh, in 2019, he played high A and double A. And he, you know, 756 and 792 OPSs, respectively. But he was already 22 as well. So he's a bit old for both of those levels. And didn't do anything at the fall league uh, in his 71 plate appearances. So is this just somebody that, be, just because it wasn't there in the minors, we should have stuck with him? Like, do you think that he was bored of the minors? No, I think he was uh, just developing, and I think there are going to be struggles uh, for a young guy. I think he may still face struggles at times as True. Uh, as pitchers, you know, kind of learn, you know, how to pitch him a little bit better. But uh, I think 
this kind of profile is nice because it, it feels high floor. Uh, you know, yeah. it, it may be low ceiling, you know, like I said, he's never going to be, I don't think he's ever going to be like a top 50 player or anything like that, but he could settle in at like a, you know, around a, like a top 75 to top 100 guy, uh, that nobody is like targeting on draft day, but you go, Hey, you know, India is, uh, valuable, especially at second base, which is a bit more shallow. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know that he was bored or that, uh, I, I think he just had the natural kind of ebbs and flows of a prospect. And I just think the expectations were so high from where he went in the draft. I mean, he was the fifth overall pick in 2018. And I think people really thought that they were going to be getting a guy with like 30 plus homer power and, mm -hmm. you know, average and some stolen bases. And, and that's just not who it is. And once we had a little bit more realistic expectation, of what we could see from him, you know, as a major leaguer, uh, people are like, well, that's, that's boring. Well, sometimes boring is fine. Yeah. Like just solid average, like mm -hmm. a, a glue guy. I, I'm, yeah. I'm a sucker for guys like this. You just put them in, you can kind of set it and forget it. And his best asset is, is something for India that, uh, is often overlooked, which is runs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as long as he can continue. Yeah. To, keep producing that that on base percentage he's gonna be playing every day one last question though nick senzel working his way back could begin a rehab next week does he take over that top spot from india not with the way india has been playing yeah i think they gotta leave him there yeah now it might be moot because if castellanos is out then it could be india senzel at the top winker three Votto four and you know, it's fine because both of them are at the top of the lineup. So it kind of depends on Castellanos as well. By the way, Senzel will play some short upon his return. Yeah. Uh, well, because, because they, they've also got Mike Moustakis, who's now uh, working his way back. You know, there's good news recently with Moustakis. Well, so. will that hurt India's playing time? Um, He doesn't have a major negative split. Like, um, he's better against lefties, 900 OPS, but an 803 against righties is perfectly capable. Yeah. I mean, I you could see Senzel moving back into the outfield um, and, you know, playing maybe playing a corner uh, and then then going back to the uh, Eugenio Suarez at shortstop. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which would be dangerous again for the pitchers, but, uh, or maybe they make a trade. Like, why not trade a guy like Suarez, um, or, uh, for some pitching? For some pitching, yeah. Um, yeah. And again, I think so much of this will hinge on Castellanos because if he's not available, it, it clears up a lot of the issues. Suarez is only 30 years old. Yeah. He's signed for a while too, isn't he? Um, I don't, that's a good question. I think he is. I think they gave him. A, I think they gave him a real deal. Yeah, he is. He signed through twenty four, and then has a team option for twenty five. Um, so they're not trading. He's not getting traded. Um, not without fetching him in. Yeah, I can huh. see an outfielder getting moved, but I don't know. They have a lot of questions there. But India for now, easy set it and forget it. Even when Senzel comes back, I would not cut him or anything. Just kind of play it. 
you know, day to day and see what's going on. I think with somebody with a 400 OBP, you're not taking him out of the lineup though for any appreciable no. time. He and might he might get a sit here and there, but I don't think he's going to lose real playing time. And as much as Senzel is like still can you know highly regarded within the Reds and in you know baseball and stuff, like what has he done over the last two seasons? to boot nothing. India out of the lineup. I don't think yeah, nothing. nothing. Career 704 OPS and 616 plate appearances. Basically a full season. And he's been underwhelming. So that's a good call out as well. Let's talk about Cole Irvin, who I don't know that we've mentioned even once on the show this year. We have. We, fact- we did a breakdown of Cole Irvin Wait, we did? earlier this season. Um, I'll, I'll have to see if I can find. On May 6th. Okay. Okay, so it is time for a re-up. I, mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't forget something that we did like two weeks ago at least. But okay, so we did talk about him. Yeah, I see that now. Um, and we 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 asked if he was good. I wonder what we said at that point because if we said no, I think we were wrong because he's been very good since then. I'm so pretty sure I said no uh, since May sixth. Uh, just going from that point forward, he has a 3.58 ERA in 78 innings, but only 47 strikeouts. So let's break into, let's dive into him real again, uh, real quickly again. He's been solid all year, but he's really taken off since June. His last eight starts, he has a 2.54 ERA, 111 WHIP, 18% strikeouts though, but a 5% walk, uh, walk rate. He's one of these command and control guys. We've seen him before. You know, Kyle Hendricks is obviously like the king of this group. But um, Cole Irvin has absolutely joined it. I guess the, the base question to start with is, do you find him trustworthy the rest of the season, and how much have you changed your outlook since the last time we spoke about him? I definitely have changed my outlook. Um, I, I think he, uh, he he has so many pitches uh, that are at least you know close to average um, that he just keeps hitters off balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, the control has been uh, great. Uh, the command has been even better, which is one of my concerns with him because he just had such a homer issue in Philadelphia. Uh, that yeah, that was the scary part. But I mean, part of it is he's just he's shown better command this season, and he's pitching in Oakland, which has a lot of foul ground territory. is a tough place uh, to hit uh, for power, so. Yeah, I think this is legit. Um, I actually just picked him up in a league uh, for like a two start, and I was like, mm-hmm. "How is he still available?" Yeah, um, how was he? Like, what kind of league was this? Twelve teams. This was an this was an OC. Um, I mean, even in twelves, I think that that's kind of whack. Like I said, he's been he's been Cole Irvin's been good all year. Only at one point, well. Uh, the first beginning of the year, he had two starts against Houston. He got hit up. It was against our them. OC too. Oh, really? And so then I, I dropped I him that. the next week. I, I must have missed that then. But since late April, his ERA has gone above four just once. It hit four twelve after his May thirtieth start, and since, like I said, since June is when he's really taken off with that two fifty four ERA in his last eight starts. And you know, there's been some there's been some opponents here. He mm-hmm. went to Colorado and dominated. He uh, was okay against the Angels. He was excellent at your Giants, and we've talked about how much they've hurt people all year. He threw eight scoreless in San Francisco. He he stood tall against the Red Sox, gave up four runs, but only two were earned in seven innings, and then dropped seven scoreless on the Angels again this week. Um, I mean, he's been really freaking good. So 
you know, he's one of those guys that the ERA indicators are never going to like him because his strikeout rate is terrible. And so you see stuff like a 459 Sierra and it makes you want to, you know, run. But I think with the home run suppression and the elite control, he can be like a 390 ERA, you know, kind of uh, kind of guy the rest of the way. I, I kind of put him as a high threes. I ranked him 62 in my latest ranks. What do, what do you think of that rank? Yeah, I don't have a problem with that rank. It, it might even be a little bit low. Um, I yeah, think I you think he could probably be a mid threes guy rest of the way. Uh, you know, this, you're going to have to find your strikeout somewhere else. True. And, and that's, you know, team fit, got to construct your team the right way. You can't really get two or three of these Hendricks, Cole Irvin types, mm-hmm. but, um, you can definitely fit one on there, especially if you are loaded with strikeouts elsewhere, you know, think of him with like a pairing of like a Shane McClanahan. And if, if you think of those yep. two together, it's like a really good combo, you know? Yeah, I mean, he has not uh, had an outing where he's thrown less than five innings since the end of May. Like he, Fantastic. He's just kind of being this horse, very like Matt Cain-ish uh, mm-hmm. uh, with, a, with a few less strikeouts. But uh, uh, yeah, I like him a lot. Change has been yeah. nice, and um, the, the fastball has been good. And yeah, I, th- I think he can kind of continue to do this i'm i'm a little bummed i dropped him after that two start which included against my giants uh, we, we see oakland do this right you know mm-hmm. this is one of those things where if you kind of buy in a little bit blind on oakland guys just because they're they're getting something going and they have that great home park you can benefit and not every single guy they have works out like this but you know i think chris bassett kind of started like this and now mm-hmm. he's actually developed into somebody who's missing more bats but i think when he first broke out he was in this Cole Irvin realm. So uh, the lefty's been pitching very well. And believe it or not, he's actually been better on the road than at home. Uh, so, you know, he is taking advantage of Oakland's park, but he's really standing tall on the road as well. So big ups they, to Cole Irvin. They have a sneaky good rotation. They right now. really do, dude. I God, I want them to get Trevor Story so bad. I think it's such a perfect fit for them. It's such a perfect fit. And it. It won't cost them the farm. It really won't. It's a rental. You have to give like one. It's one a rental, notable. but there's so many teams that want him. I know, I know. So they'll have to they'll have to step up. They'll have to give at least one notable prospect. I like that but, bullpen is really really good. Uh, that rotation is like I said, sneaky good. Bassett, Irvin, Manaya has been fantastic. Caprellian has been real. really really good. Yep. And Montas has been kind of holding his own. Uh, with really, really good underlying skills. Like, I think they need one bat, and I think they need uh, maybe even just two bats, and then to be fine. Like, get get a left fielder to replace uh, Tony Kemp and get, yeah, go get Trevor Story. Oh, man. Because they're batting Andrus, too. Yeah. Which, like, if you're going to start him, fine, because you got him, and, and he... I, I don't know what his defense looks like but, this year, but he's been a decent defender in the past. Conha. Story Olsen. How great is that? Yeah. How great is that? I, I just it's such a perfect fit. I really hope they can make it work. Um, and, let's talk and then, then add like uh I don't know. I was gonna say Starling Marte, but they don't need a center fielder. Uh no, just like a decent like a decent fielder. Like I don't know. Get get Tyler Naquin from freaking Cincinnati for a reliever. Yeah. I don't I don't know. Like it, it does it doesn't have to be a stud. I think uh, somebody solid can be better than Tony Kemp. Although Kemp was hitting well for a while, I don't know where his ooh, bottom ooh, line. I, I got one. Go. Don't, don't worry about the outfield. 
uh, go get Jonathan's scope. Oh, and, there you go. And, and, and Trevor's story. We could play second, too. I mean, do they really well, want Well, Low- Lowry's been good. He's been fine. But Lowry's good. Relax. Don't be okay. don't be coming after Jed Lowry. This is fine. He's, he's 47 years old, and he's out here <laughs> having a good season. He's got 114 OPS plus. You leave him alone. I like Jed Lowry. Mitch Moreland does not need to play every day. This is true. Yeah, yeah. So that's why, you know, Scope can DH a little bit, play some second. And you can, you can put Lowry at DH, too, and save his legs. So I, mm-hmm. I don't fully disagree with you. Uh, on the scope pickup, but they could switch between second and um, and DH between he and Jed Lowry. Uh, or ooh, ooh, right. go get Nelson Cruz. Go get I, Nelson I Cruz and story. And, and I was gonna say that one as a story backup because I don't know that they would get both. Get everyone, um, Oakland. Pay I mean, for it, someone that'd be amazing if they got both. Let's be honest. But Cruz, if you can't get story, get Cruz. They need those kind of moves though, if they're gonna compete with Houston. I know. I know. I think the story move alone would would make them a full on competitor. Yeah, because I think you could fake it with with Seth Brown and Mitch Moreland at DH. It's not the end of the world, but story would completely change their outlook. And they're only three back because of how good that pitching's been. As as you and they're in they're they, they're they're in the lead for the second wild card, right? Yeah. Oh, so. they're in the mix. Yeah, they're they're in the playoffs via the wild card, and they have a chance to win the division. Trevor Story could make that happen. Let's talk about Trevor Story's teammate though, John Gray. Put him in focus a bit. Because he's quietly been very good all year, too. Similar to Cole Irvin, um, just kind of under the radar. Mostly not because of his name. Like Cole Irvin's under the radar because nobody knows who the heck Cole Irvin is. No offense. John Gray's under the radar because he's in Colorado, but he's quietly doing well. 368 ERA, 122 whip. He raised it a bit, a little bit. Uh, he raises the ERA a bit before his strained flexor injury. So you have to wonder if maybe that was playing a role. He gave up eight runs in five and a third in the two starts right before he went on the IL. But then since coming back, 240 ERA, 107 whip in five starts with a boatload of strikeouts, 37 in 30 innings. And he's a great candidate to get traded because he's finally a free agent. So why the heck wouldn't they trade him? Um, it makes no sense for them not to trade him with the market the way it is and how much every competitor needs pitching. I think John Gray has to get moved. Um, do you agree with him getting moved? And also, do you have him anywhere and been enjoying this this really strong season he's been having? I have him in a couple DCs, okay. uh, and I have been enjoying it. It's been so hard, though, because he's doing that thing he did a few years ago where he's better at home than he is on the road. That's like one of it. That's like a career thing for him. Like it's, it's so weird. It's I I don't I don't know why. Like it's. By the way, I don't think that this means he'll be bad if he gets traded. I, I don't, don't either. Really don't. Um, I think he just pitches. He just knows how to pitch in Colorado. Uh, you know, he he kind of knows where he kind of knows where his stuff's gonna end up, and. But because he's so used to that, when he, he goes on the road, he has, he has issues. Um, so I think that would even out once he mm-hmm. uh, when, once he gets moved, and he will get moved. Um, he's only uh, he's got a three fourteen home ERA. I just it's so funny. It, uh, it's it's. I think you bring up a great point though, because there is a course hangover for mm-hmm. pitchers as well. And you're right. He he. He has an idea of how to move his stuff better in cores, and then he gets on the road, and it, it's kind of funky because it's, it's inconsistent. Too much, yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think he'll become a really trendy name uh, for people once he uh, once he does leave Colorado. People are going to be flocking to the waiver wire. 
So if he's available in your league, like now's the time to. He shouldn't be though, right? With with the season he's having. But like Colorado pitchers always are. Yeah, you're right. ESPN forty one percent. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane, dude. Forty one. I know that though. It's mostly ten teamers. He's a sub four ERA though with a one twenty two WHIP. What do you, what are mm-hmm. people doing? I don't get it. Yeah, he's he's been really really good. I mean, this is the guy we thought we would get when he was you know drafted third overall by the Rockies in in twenty thirteen, and uh, and he's he's shown this promise before. I mean, for sure, he's had uh, flashes. I, I know he struggled, you know, in twenty twenty, but like you can chalk up a lot, you know that to a lot of different things. Didn't but, he have the foot injury pop up again last mm-hmm. year too? Yeah, but I mean, he's always like had really really good underlying stats i mean he had uh, a sub uh for x era from 2015 to 2018 and while his underlying numbers in 2019 were very good his, his service numbers were um, yeah he had the 384 actual era yeah. in 19 so i mean i think he could be a guy that kind of does what he's been doing once he leaves colorado with less blowups do you have um, an ideal landing spot for john gray and why, and why is it the Dodgers? Because it's I mean, always the Dodgers, it, let's be honest. It, yeah, it, I mean, it could definitely be the Dodgers. Um, I mean, ideal landing spot. Uh, I mean, I'd love to see like a team like the Angels go get him. True, true. Uh, well, let me give you a less than ideal one, but but still one that it'd be a good team to go to. What if he goes to Boston? Yeah, I mean that seems like the most likely the Bo- Boston or even the. Wait, Yankees. are there rumors of that? Because I, I just made that up. I, if no, I mean no, no. Oh, okay. It just in my head, it seems like the most likely. Yeah. You know, Atlanta fit. might yep, be an interesting fit, too. fit as well, considering their rotation issues right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'd love my Giants to go get them, but they're they're they. That's not what they're going to be going after, that, especially with Logan yeah. Webb pitching well right now. Not their um, chief need. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, Houston doesn't need a starter. The Yankees could, no. but I don't know that the Yankees are necessarily. I mean, Toronto. Toronto would be a good fit. They need they need somebody. And again, he's not going to be that expensive. He's not going to be free. But as a rental, we just don't see rentals commanding the prices that they did, you know, five six years ago. So I think it'll be affordable. And could, could the Mets be like? Because the Mets would be an ideal landing spot. Yes, stays in I the think, National League, gets to pitch in City Field. Which I think is they a, want a starter. Yes, and Especially yeah, they're if looking. The, the Grom news is bad on roster resource right now. We have them with a three-man starting rotation. <laughs> uh oh, that's not good. <laughs> is Nick Tropiano going to get a start for them? I think he is. Yeah, yeah, that's not good. I used to like that guy like twelve years ago. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah. they got a three-man rotation and like a, a fourteen-man bullpen on roster resource that, right now. Oh my gosh, they, yeah, they're gonna need to get somebody. Uh, Carrasco has not been so good in his rehab, so we don't know exactly when he's gonna come back up. But uh, Gray is gonna be a hot commodity. It's gonna be really interesting to see where he lands. A lot of teams vying for him. And I do wonder, since it, it looks like it should be a seller's market, I wonder if maybe rentals do get a bit more than they have in recent years. Because yeah. when you got five teams fighting for somebody, you got to up the ante a bit. So the, we'll the see Met, how that goes. The Mets have eight starting pitchers on their IL. That's insane, dude. Or That's seven, insane. seven. I missed it. Carrasco, DeGrom, Lucchese, David Peterson, Robert Stock. 
Noah Syndergaard and Jordan Yamamoto. They just brought up Robert Stock. What the heck? He yeah, he hurt. left. He left. He left his last start. Oh man, I like that guy. Not. I don't know so much about his fantasy prospects. I just like him as a person. He's a good follow on Twitter. You should check him out, Robert Stock. Uh, but anyway, that's John Gray. Let's move on to a little hold, holder fold. And now I put this one on. We were going to do it on Tuesday. I will say that nothing's changing for me based on the one solid start that he had in the interim. But Chris Paddock is our first guy here. Since his breakout in that rookie year, um, it's been tough. He has a 499 ERA and a 127 whip in 146 innings. Now, he does have 24% strikeout rate, 5% walk rate in that time, but 9.6 hit nine and 1.7 homer per nine. The BABIP is, is 312. It was 237 in that rookie year. And he's in desperate need of a, of a breaking ball third pitch because even this year, the changeup has been rough. He's 97% in the OC, 100% in TGFBI, which means he's 100% in the main as well. Holder fold Chris Paddock. Oh, uh, this is super hard for me because this was a guy that I, I kind of targeted in a few spots, um, just kind of as a uh, you know uh, an interesting like buyback on a, on an SP five. Mm-hmm. The the five scoreless at Atlanta on the twenty first. Came with one strikeout, no walks, three hits. It lowered his ERA to five seventeen, just so we have up up to the second numbers there. Yeah, and I mean, I think that may have had more to do with just oh, the lineup that they ran out there wasn't actually atrocious. It wasn't great because the first game of a doubleheader though. Too. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. Um, I I have a hard time folding him, and I I I think. The the right decision is probably to, but I mean Sierra is under four. FIP and XFIP are both fine. Mm-hmm. He's getting lucky and or he's getting unlucky in the strand rate and a little bit unlucky in the BABIP department. The problem is it's like he's just getting blown up. Uh. Every once in a while. That's it. Yep. And because he's got good starts, but then Paddock gets hit and it ruins any good work that he did. When the changeup's not working, like he just gets destroyed. Um, yeah, because he's fastball batting practice. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I have a hard time quitting him. I really do. But I think that probably is the right decision. Um, How much are you starting him right now? If you have Paddock, then I'm not, you, and not that's quite... that's the hard part. Like I didn't start him against Atlanta, and then now, like one of his best starts in a while is like just was sitting on my bench. He's a um, two start next week. Oakland and Colorado both at home. Yeah, I would roll with that. Yeah, I mean, I think if you've got him, you have to. But yeah, I lean toward a fold. Um, I guess maybe not yet. Maybe give him the two start and then kind of let that be, you know, sort of a uh, sort of a do or die type of type of situation. I know it's hard to put that much stock into just two starts, but if you can't, if you don't have any confidence starting him, I think you got to move on. So I, I think you, you you try out the the two start on the heels of the quality outing again. It wasn't a quality start by the definition, but it was a, a useful solid outing. Uh, against the the Braves, I think that earns Paddock this this two step here at home. But if he if he does his normal thing, where it's like one good, one bad, and the bad one completely craps out the uh, the good one, and that's been the problem. Like you said, he gets hit, 
and and ruins. By the way, he's been brutal at home. 694 ERA, 168 whip. He's been much better on the road. Um, if, if he comes, if he comes uh, with another dud or set of duds this week, I'm fully out. I'm leaning out right now, but the fact that the way this timing works of the good start on Monday followed by a two or yesterday followed by a two step. I'll, I'll go with it, but I'm not. I'm not very happy with it with Paddock. I'm. I'm pretty nervous. Yeah, I'm nervous as well. Okay, let's talk about uh, one that maybe isn't so obvious because he's not pitching poorly, but Emmanuel Clase is not the closer. Um, he he is not getting saves there in Cleveland anymore. He hasn't had a save in a month. Uh, now he, he has struggled a little bit in that time. Five seventy nine ERA, but a one twenty nine WHIP. Twenty six percent strikeout rate, two percent walk. Karinchak has three saves in that time. Uh, Classe is in 93% of OCs. That's 12-teamer, 100% of TGFBI. Is Emmanuel Classe a holder fold? I mean, I think if you're looking, if you're if you're using him for saves, then obviously you got to move on. I think um, people realize, like, if they're holding him this much, though, and he hasn't had a save in a month, people understand that they're not getting saves from him, so uh, they're holding on to him, I guess, for the for the strikeouts and ratios. Would you hold on to him for that aspect? I think I would, um, with, with the chance that like if something happens to Krinchek, that he he's probably the next guy up. Yeah, you know he's definitely second in command. He 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 pitches the eighth inning most of the time. So, yeah, I think I'm. I mean, unless I'm desperate for saves and I just need to go like spec on maybe a guy who might you know get a job after the deadline. Uh, I think he that... has kind of gotten his ass kicked in this time, though. Too Detroit got three runs on him. Tampa Bay got but two Detroit's runs on him without an out. I know that's listen. Getting beat up by a great team that happens. <laughs> Oakland got two runs on him in a third of an inning. So he has like four legit blow ups in this time. And so I look at this five twenty three ERA in this last saveless month, and it's not necessarily like unlucky. It's been kind of consistent. You know, a couple good outings and then gets popped. A couple good outings, popped. 281 BABIP in that time. Like I said, the core skills are still there. 11 strikeouts, one walk. You love you love all that in the 46 batters. But it's hard to have the luxury of keeping a, a quality middle reliever in a 12-teamer. I'm surprised he's 93% in the LC. I feel like that number has to come down. If people are hanging sure. on in TGFBI, I'll, I'll grant that. But in OCs, I think that's way too high, personally. I mean, he he finally gave up a home run this month and then gave up another one in the next game. Uh, but those were his first two home runs given up this season. He's nasty. He, like he's, I mean, Kase is really nasty. Good. Um, but yeah, he's not the closer. So like if you, like I said, if you need him for saves, you got to move on. But if uh, if you you know using the like, I think the ratios would be fine. Like I think he's probably a mid, I think they'll smooth out. Yeah, yeah I'm I think not he's worried. A mid to high twos ERA guy. With you know strike a lot of strikeouts and uh, you know pretty uh, kind of mediocre ish whip. Um, so I will say this though, I feel like he under I feel like Classe underwhelms in strikeouts. He has a nine point nine per nine rate, which is not bad. But in with today's relievers, yeah, you're not that's surprised fair. that he's not like in the teens per nine or like a thirty percent plus strikeout rate type of deal. Yeah, I think that that's that's fair because I mean he does give up uh, a fair amount of contact. Uh, it's just you know typically weak contact. Yeah, um, he keeps the ball on the ground like crazy though. He has yeah. a three eight ground ball to fly ball ratio, a very nice sixty nine percent ground ball rate. So 
I think we settled it. If you if you got him for saves, he's not getting them. Get rid of him. If you're just keeping him as a a guy who can help your ratios, despite this this bump that he's hit, I think he can get better and, and should be the rest of the way. He, you just kind of hit a blip with him, and he should be fine. Um, and we're going to do waiver pickups next. Your waiver guy could be somebody that you go trade him out for. So why don't we start with your waiver pickup for this weekend? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go, and I, I mean, I've already been doing this, and we've talked about him kind of off and on, I think, uh, on this podcast, you know, mm-hmm. uh, as kind of a guy that we think could – Step into a closer role. I already got him in the main. Yeah, uh, David Bednar is—he's just—he's so good. Um, mm. You know, uh, forty-seven strikeouts uh, in thirty-eight innings uh, so far this year. Two eighty-four ERA. Uh, doesn't have a save yet, but I think he is the logical kind of next man up. They could go with Crick, I guess, but they could—they could, could, could also—they could also trade Crick. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's also true. Maybe maybe somebody wants to take a shot on Crick figuring out his control issues. Uh, but otherwise, man, like, oh, wait, 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 wait. He's DFA'd. Oh, Crick's gone. oh, I didn't even notice. Oh, that was on Monday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that just happened. I mean, he just, like, he has like a one-to-one strikeout well, to one ratio. Like, I don't know who else would be. Uh, there is one other guy that has me a little nervous. It's your boy, dude. Chris Stratton. <laughs> Chris Stratton. Oh my God! He's yeah, pitching it, really well out of the bullpen. Credit where it's due. He is pitching well. He's thirty now. Bednar's twenty six. So I don't know that they have to play the arbitration no. game and not give him saves and you know keep the price Chris down. Stratton has a save this year. I, that and so we have to at least acknowledge that that's a slight possibility there. I still think Bednar's the pickup. I'm not picking up Stratton. Maybe in an NL only, I would get him for a dollar if I'm save specking. But Bednar is the target, and you want to do it now before Rich Rod's traded. Because there's no universe where Rich Rod isn't traded, right? Yeah, and I, I mean, I think Stratton is more of like the multi-inning guy. You know, mm-hmm. he comes in in, a, in high leverage spot, you know, the highest leverage spot in the game, which is often, you know, sixth, seventh inning. Uh, but, you know, he will probably sneak some saves. So maybe it's maybe it's like 75% Bednar and 25% Stratton on a team that's not going to get a ton of saves down the stretch. But if you're desperate, Bednar's the guy. To your point, Stratton has a 11 two-plus inning outings this yeah. year. So, um, yeah, but I, I like Bednar a lot. I would do a class A for I, Bednar. I was just like swap. three years early on on Stratton. Barely. Barely early, dude. You're all good. <laughs> uh, my my reco uh, kind of ties back to the Jake Rogers, Eric Haas, Yasmani Grandal situation, the catcher situation we are talking about. Dalton Varsho showing a few signs of life recently, and uh, I think you could consider him. Now, it, it's it's very little uh, uh, sign of life here. It's about a week's worth of games, but uh, he does have a couple homer, two homers and two steals in his last 21 plate appearances, spanning six games. And he's playing, and he is actually catching a bit more too, and which we kind of want him to maybe get catcher eligibility locked in for next year. Um, and so I think that's that's also helping things. But uh, with with what's his face uh, with Carson Kelly done for the year, Brian Holiday's not, you know, not pushing anybody out. They have to see if Varsho can be a legitimate catcher. Mm-hmm. The the reports are not really like he's yeah, not he very good behind the dish. He's not. But they're trying him out, and he's caught his last four games, and so I think that they're going to at least give him that opportunity. And he's been he's been doing something at the dish lately. So I think Dalton Varsho is somebody to look at if you're struggling for that second catcher. Yeah, I think he's a guy that. You know, maybe even in keeper leagues, you might want to target too because he will have catcher eligibility next year. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so oh yeah, he's already got eighteen games. Yeah, he's so already he's got been... eighteen games. So okay, he, he's a guy like I actually sent out a trade request or a trade offer for yesterday in in a kind of keeper league situation. So uh, I don't think he can catch long term, but if he can just catch enough games in season every year to keep the eligibility going, I think that's kind of perfect scenario for him. Yes, yes. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to wrap us up, and uh, we're going to head into the weekend here, Justin. You're back in the full groove now after your vacation. Yep. And uh, let's uh, let's have some good bids this week, and I will talk to you next Tuesday. Can't wait. Take it easy.